Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here this morning. I got a little confused with that picture on the calendar because uh, it has fall colors, but I've been here through one fall, and I never saw any colors change. Um, I don't think our trees even lost leaves um, at all either, so I'm a little confused by that. Um, I guess it's just because the calendar says it's fall, right? Is that how it works? For those who don't know, I came from Wisconsin, and so... And so fall was fall, you know, it got cold and the leaves turned orange and red and, and burgundy and all sorts of colors, yellow. And, uh, and so it lets you know that fall was here and pumpkins were out and, and I w- I'm still waiting for fall. I've been here over a year, so I, I'm not quite sure how all this works, but <clears throat> anyway, that is kind of our fall schedule. All right, get your Bibles out. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we've been kind of the last couple of weeks. So le- Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1, you can follow along on the screen as well or turn in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than came, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And through it, he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he, come, for he, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to underline the phrase, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I want you to notice what it doesn't say. One of the things I think is important when you're reading the Bible is to read what it says, but also note what it doesn't say. Because notice it doesn't say without hope, it's impossible to please him. That's not what it says, right? It says without what? It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Last week we started talking about this issue, the difference between hope or wishful thinking and faith. Because I think for so many of us, we tend to confuse and mistake hope for faith. And so unknowingly, I think we tend to try to interact and to connect with God out of hope. In other words, I hope God will do this. I hope God will save me. I hope God will forgive me. I hope I'll end up in heaven. I hope God will heal this relationship. I hope God will heal my heart. I hope God will heal me of this sickness or this disease. But listen, it's so important for us to understand there's a difference between hope and faith. Hope is thinking that I might be one of the lucky ones. Hope is thinking that maybe, just maybe, I might get that miracle lottery. That's the essence of hope. Hope is thinking that maybe my body will be healed. Maybe my mind will be healed. Maybe my heart will be healed. That's hope. But here's the thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with hope. Hope is really, really important. We all need hope. As a matter of fact, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so we really need hope. But what I'm talking about here is there's a huge difference between hope and faith. Faith is the unconditional confidence 
that compels me to act according to the eternal truth of who God is and according to his will. That's what faith is. Faith is the unconditional confidence that compels me to act according to the eternal truth of who God is and according to his will. In other words, I'm so convinced that I am who God says that I am, and I have what God says that I have, that I act out of that reality instead of according to how I feel or how I think, or what I see, or the hormones that are raging through my body. That's not how I act. Faith is acting according to what God says, who he says I am, and according to what he says that I have. Bible scholar James Moffat in the early 1900s said it this way. He said, faith means we are convinced that we have what we do not see. Last week, we handed out these little blue cards that kind of share, talk about some of the different things that God says that we have and some of the things that God says that we are. Can we just do this real quick? I want to, let's just declare these here again this morning. Just say this after me. Say, I declare, I I am free free from the law of sin sin and death. death. I declare, I I am far from oppression oppression. and fear fear does not come come near me. I declare, I have the mind of Christ. I declare, I have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I declare, I have received the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. And the eyes of my understanding have been enlightened. And I declare, I can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one with my shield of faith. And I declare, I have power over all the power of the enemy and nothing, and nothing shall by any means harm me. And I declare, I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. And I declare, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And I declare I'm forgiven of all my sins and washed in the blood of Jesus. And I declare I'm delivered from the power of darkness and brought into God's kingdom. And I declare I'm redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness, and poverty, and I declare I'm firmly rooted and built up, established in my faith, and overflowing with gratitude, and I declare I am healed by the stripes of Jesus, and I declare I am strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, and I declare I am submitted to God, and the devil flees from me, because I resist him in the name of Jesus. And I declare, I'm not controlled by fear or anxiety, because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind.
These are a little thing we just hand out last week. If you didn't get one of these, they're out at the welcome desk. And these aren't just nice sounding things. This is actually what the Word of God says. There's scripture attached to every one of these. This morning, I want to talk to you about um, these things that we just declared, how we have these things, even before we see them then in the natural. So if you get your seatbelt on, put Tighten up really good because we're going we're gonna to go fast and deep and through a whole bunch of stuff, all right? So turn to your neighbor. Make sure your neighbor's awake, all right? Make, po- poke them. Turn, nobody's turning. Don't look at me. Look at your neighbor. Poke your neighbor. Make sure your neighbor's awake. Get your seatbelt fastened because here we go. Look at this again in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Are you guys awake? Are you with me? I know I've been gone a week, but are, are you sure? Are you ready? All right, Hebrews chapter 11. I, I spoke at a conference last week up in, up in um, the Midwest, and I was telling some people that um, it was probably 70% African-American, so I really got used to a lot of interaction. Uh, white folk tend to be a little passive and a little sedated and a little, you know, stoic, you know, and so I just need a little bit more, okay, because I, I had that just a little bit at the conference, all right? Thank you. There you go. Okay. There we go. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Look at this again. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the, the, the evidence of things not seen. If you're taking notes, underline that word substance. Because that word substance in the original Greek language is the word hypostasis, And it's a word that was used in the Greek business world that meant title deed. Title deed. In other words, it's the proof that shows you that that thing is yours. Now, faith is the title deed. It's the substance. It's the proof. Think of it this way. Anybody of you know what this one of these things are called? Have you seen these before? It's called a number tent, actually, is what, the, what, what they're actually called. Called a number tent. And no, I didn't steal this from Whataburger. <laughs> We actually called, and I'm borrowing it so I can use this as an illustration. I got permission here. But I want you you to think about it this way, because when you go to Whataburger and you order one of those big, juicy, sweet and spicy bacon burgers with fries and a root beer shake, come on, now, now you're happy, aren't you? When you order that, they give you one of these number tents, and they give you a receipt. And so you take your number tent and you put it on your table, wherever you sit, in a way so that the employees can see that number. So that when your, your food is ready, as they're bringing your food out, they look around the place, that, that the seating area, to find your number. Because your number co- coincides with the food that they're, they're bringing out there. Now, suppose someone comes into Whataburger and comes up to you where you're sitting at your table with your number there and says, well, that, that number there that you have is of no value. What, what are you sitting here doing? You, you just need to leave. That, that's, that's of no value. What do you do? You pull out your receipt because your receipt verifies that what you have bought that shows by this number, what you have bought has been paid for completely this receipt gives value then to your number tent. When you think about it, that's what faith is really all about. The number tent represents the substance or the quality of your faith. Your receipt represents the word of God and what God says in his word. And, your, and the receipt then, it, it, it supports then your faith. That's what the word of God does. And so that person... That person who comes to you and, and tries to make you think that this is not of any value, that represents the voice of doubt. 
And how many of you know the voice of doubt is powerful in every one of our lives? The voice of doubt that may come from your own internal voice or the voice of others or even the devil himself. That's what that represents. And so when you go into God's store, and aren't you glad that God has a store? And it's full of resources and promises for you. And you go into God's store and you look at his menu board. And it is an enormous menu board of all that he provides, all that he wants to give us. When you go to his store and you're looking at that menu board and you, you look and say, this is what I need here for this situation. This is what I want here for this situation. When you make that order, you then have a receipt then of what God, God uh, of what what it is that you have ordered according to the word of God. And the incredible thing about your receipt is that when, just when you're ready to pay for it, you look and it says, paid in full, signed by Jesus Christ. That's your receipt. And this is what you hold on. This is what you're able to hold on to. And then you have your number tent that displays your faith. This is, it's a display of your faith. And so when doubt comes in, this is when you take out the word of God, your receipt, and says, this is what it is written. The word of God says. So when that voice comes in, you're able to pull out that receipt and say, it's been paid in full. This is what I've ordered. And you hold firm to your faith so that that product of heaven knows where to land just as that employee knows where to bring your juicy, sweet and spicy bacon burger and fries and a root beer shake. Your, your, your faith is just like that. And so while you're sitting at that table, you have your receipt, you have your number, your number tent. And even though when I'm sitting here, at this table, I may, that food may not have arrived, but I have the, the title deed. I have the proof that it is coming. It is on the way here. This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he's talking and defining faith. It's like we have one of these number tents. It's the evidence of what I have. Now look at this in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus said, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, here in this verse, Jesus is, is, is referring to a sixth sense that we have. How many of you know that we all have natural senses, right? There are five natural senses that every human being has. We, we have the sense of sight, the sense of smell, the sense of hearing, the sense of touch, the sense of taste. These are all of our natural senses that every one of us in this room we have. But when you think about these, natural, these five natural senses, they all work independently of each other. Think about that. Each one of your five natural senses all work independently of each other. You see what you can't hear. You hear what you can't smell. You smell what you can't see. Our natural senses, they work independently of each other, right? Everybody understand that, right? And so when you look at these, well, just as our five natural senses work independently of, our, of each other, our sense of faith works independently of all these other natural senses, which means the sense of faith is only faith when it's not seen, your sense of faith is only faith when it's not heard or smelled or tasted or touched. Our senses work independently of each other, which means faith at first is going to be non-existent to all the rest of your five natural senses. The Apostle Paul, I don't think anybody really heard that. I, I, Lisa, you did, right? Did you, did you follow me there? Everybody with me? 
Your five natural senses, they work independently. We add now a sixth sense into this, and it still works independently. So faith is not seen, heard, smelled, taste, or touched. It works independently of all these different senses. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now look what he's describing here. The Apostle Paul is describing that our five natural senses, they belong to the natural man. They belong to every human being, but we cannot know God and experience God out of these five natural senses. We don't interact with God, although we try. You cannot interact with God out of your five natural senses. It's only by this sixth sense, the sense of faith, that we can see know, and know God and take hold of the blessings then that God has for us. Are you with me? It's only by faith, the sixth sense, that we're able to interact then with God, which means to consult our natural senses, what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, what you touch, to consult those for the evidence that our prayers have been granted is as ridiculous as trying to see with your ears or trying to hear with your eyes. Are you still with me? Seatbelt's still fastened, right? All right? See, that's why, that's why this issue of doubt takes faith hostage. Because what doubt's doing is trying to point you to the fact, well, I don't see it yet. I don't feel it yet. I don't taste it. I don't taste it yet. I, I, or, or, nat, your, your doubt is trying to attach faith to the five natural senses. But what the Apostle Paul is describing, you can't. Your five natural senses can't know God or interact with God or take hold of the promises of God. Look at the story in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. It says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded to them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then they sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant and the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, let me ask you a question. When did the angel armies appear? Did they first appear when the servant's eyes were opened to see them? No, the angel armies were already present before they were visible to Elisha's servant. That's the essence of faith. Faith is fully embracing what our other five natural senses can't yet detect. It's the evidence. 
It's the proof. It's the substance. It's that title deed. It's the number tent of things that haven't yet been seen by the five natural senses. Look at this and how Jesus did this in John chapter 11, verse 32. It says, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay, lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said it to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the, the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because the people who are standing by said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Now, I want you to notice that before Lazarus' resurrection was seen in the visible, natural manifestation, Jesus said, before all that, Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now, what's significant about it? Why is that so significant? Well, look what the Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. He said, this is the confidence. In other words, I know that I know that I know that I know. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is really significant. If we ask anything according to his will, too often we're just throwing up these prayers, asking all sorts of things, and we don't even know if it's according to his will. How many know God has a menu board? But just because you go to Whataburger and order a Chick-fil-A sandwich, does, does, is not, it's not going to mean you're going to get a Chick-fil-A sandwich, right? Because it's not on Whataburger's, it's not on their menu list, right? We need to know what's on God's menu board. Instead of just throwing out orders that may not even be on that, on that menu board. We need to know what it is. Because when we know, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If I go to Whataburger and I see on that menu they have a sweet and spicy bacon burger, I have all confidence that I can order that and I can get it. You with me? Come on. That's what he's saying. If I ask according to his will, then he hears us. And, we, and if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. I've seen it on the menu board. I've placed my order. I have my, name, my number tent. I have my receipt. And so I can know that's coming to my table. It's the same thing that Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. We already said it. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Underline, there's two phrases in here I want you to give attention to. The first one is, have received it. And the second is, will be yours. Have received it and will be yours. Here, Jesus is describing that the things that we pray according to, the, according to his will, they exist in two realms. 
They exist in two realms. The first realm that they exist is in the invisible or the spiritual realm. And the second realm that they exist in is in the, is in the visible or the material realm. So the invisible or the spiritual realm or the visible or the material realm. Or if you want to keep going on with this, this fast food restaurant analogy, which has a lot of lacking in any analogy, you understand? But think about your food. It exists at first behind the scenes back in the kitchen where they're preparing it. I don't see what they're doing. I've made my order, but it's happening back there. It's happening not in front of me. It's happening back, 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 back there. But then it also exists when it arrives at my table, when I, when I take that, that sweet and spicy baking burger and I open it up and I sink my teeth and it runs all over my face. It exists in two different realms. Are you, are you following me here? And so what Jesus is saying is that we have to receive it first in the faith realm. This is where we have to receive the things of God first. We have to receive it first in the faith realm, that invisible realm, that spiritual realm. That's what he's saying. I believe that you have received it. That's the first one. I've got to receive it first in that invisible, that faith realm. And then afterwards, we're to receive them in the realm of the natural senses, the, the visible senses, the, 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 the material realm. And he says, and it will be yours. There's two realms in which the answer to our prayers exist. Come on. There's two realms to which our answers exist. Remember the prayer of Daniel. Remember he's praying and he's interceding for God to work. And he's praying and praying and praying and nothing and nothing and nothing. Finally, this angel arrives and said, when you prayed, God was already moving in the answer. But because of this big strong man got in my way to, 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 to try to keep me from answering your prayer. We always need to understand the answer to our prayers exists in two realms. When, when we pray, heaven moves. There's a movement of sort. Kitchen, the kitchen back there gets busy. They're putting your order in, and they're, they're getting busy getting that order. But there's also then the natural realm. The problem with so many of us, we get this backwards. What we're trying to do, we're trying to receive it first in the natural realm. We're sitting at our table, and we're just expecting for it just to drop once we walked into, into the restaurant. We haven't made an order. We haven't placed an order. We haven't received anything in, in, the, in the other realm. We're just sitting at the table expecting that. I don't have, a, a, I don't have a, a, a number 10. I don't have a receipt. But I'm just sitting at the table waiting for it some magically to appear on my plate. And so a lot of us, we're trying to receive it first in the natural realm when we haven't yet received it first in the spiritual realm. Think about this. The angels of Dothan were present in the invisible realm before Elisha's servants saw them in the natural realm. They were already there in the invisible realm. Jesus saw Lazarus raised from the dead in the invisible realm before it was ever seen in the natural realm. If you read the entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, it's account after account of God's saints um, their actions in the invisible realm, where they, where they received it in the invisible realm before they ever saw it, then in the natural realm. That's what faith is. Faith is not what you see. Faith is not what you hear. Faith's not what you feel. Faith is not what you taste. Faith's not what you, t- what you touch. As a matter of fact, as soon as it becomes manifested in our natural senses, it ceases to be faith. Faith is not what you see, feel, taste, touch. 
And as soon as you're able to do it, it's no longer faith. Faith exists outside of our, our natural sins. All acts of faith in the realm are in the realm of the yet unseen. And so when Jesus says that we're to believe that we have received the things that we pray for at the time that we pray, this is then the confidence that we hold on to. I know that I know that I know that I know. I have my number tent. I have my receipt. This is the evidence. This is the proof. This is my title deed. And so I hold on to this confidence. I hold on to my number tent. I hold on to my receipt until God changes the blessing from the invisible realm into the natural visible form. That's why deliverance and forgiveness and provision and healing We have to receive it first in the invisible realm. That's where we have to receive it first. And then begin, just simply begin, like Jesus did, begin to praise God for what he has already got, what what he's already done. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Where we begin just to be able to thank God for what it is that we've, what, what he has already done. Some of you, you've been sitting at a table waiting for your food just to magically appear. You've gone into the restaurant, but you're just sitting at that table waiting for the food to appear. But the reality is you haven't ordered that sweet and spicy bacon burger and fries and a root beer shake. You haven't gone up to God's menu board and looked to see what it is that he's provided. You haven't placed your order. You haven't gotten your receipt. You don't have a number 10. But yet you're expecting to some way, somehow, sitting at this table nearby in this restaurant... Sitting in a church that somehow is just going to magically appear on your table. You're expecting the sweet and spicy bacon burger and fries and and a root beer shake just to somehow land on your table because you're there at church. Because you're a Christian. Because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you even know what's on God's menu board? Have you even taken time to look at what's on God's menu board. Do you have any idea what God has provided you with, what he promises for you? This is a great little start. This is just a handful of them. These are all scriptures. That, these are all little, little statements coming directly from scriptures. But the reality is there are over 3,500 promises in this book. Over 3,500. Let me ask you again. Do you know what God's promises are? Do you know what he wants to give you? Do you know what he's provided for? Do you know his menu board? I love the acronym Bible. B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. (laughs) But do you even know what they are? Come on. How do we order... If we don't know what actually is on that list, how do you have confidence in something if you can't go and say, it is written, I have the receipt? How can you attach your faith to something if you don't know that that's actually on the menu board or not? But I tell you, when you know and you're able to look at that menu board and say, this is exactly what I need. God's saying, this, this is what I provide for you. This is, what, this, is your, this is your promise. And you say, okay, God, that's what I need. This is what, what I want in this situation. 
and you take that receipt and it says paid in full, I don't have to do anything to deserve it. It's a gift. It's a free gift from God that I get. I have this receipt that when the voice of doubt comes in and says, you don't see it in your, in your life, this is not happening, what's going on, that I have this receipt that says it is written. It's paid for in full. And I have my faith, this confidence, this proof that I have what, what God says that I have, that I can stand no matter what I feel, no matter what I sense, no matter what I see, no matter what I experience here in the natural, there's something greater than these five natural senses, and it's my sixth sense. It is the sense of faith, and it is just as true as what I see, what I hear, what I smell, what I taste, and what I touch. I'm going to ask you to just cl- close your eyes here, if you would, please. Because that's... As we're finishing here this morning, I know I just pressed the gas pedal all the way down here for you, and we just, I just unloaded a bit on you, but I, I want to simplify just a little bit here for you, because I think it starts right there. If we're going to walk by faith, if we're going to live by faith and not by sight, then you've got to know what the promises of God are. You've got to know what he's provided for you. And so... If you're hungry, and I think about that when I'm trying to f- figure out a, a restaurant to go to, and, and maybe I've not been there before, but you know I'm hungry, and maybe I'm with a bunch of friends, and we're trying to decide are we going to go to this restaurant or that restaurant. We go to the menu board, and we look, go, we'll go online, and we'll look at the menu, what, what is provided there. And so I just want to do that here just a little bit with you. I, I want to just take a moment and let... You just hear some of the items that God has for you and let that kind of soak in you, maybe even stir up some hunger inside of you for something to, for your faith to grab a hold of. Just listen to some of these things that God provides. God will go with you. He'll sustain you and he'll strengthen you. You are his beloved. He believes in you. He will never ever give up on you. God will be your confidence. He has set you apart from the world. He will deliver you no matter what. He will increase you mightily. He will hear you if you ask for help today. Even if chaos abounds, you will experience perfect peace. The waters may rise, but they won't overtake you. You do not labor in vain. He will reward you. If you're called to wait on him, you're going to be okay right there. He will fill you when you need it, just like he always has. Your barn is going to burst open with blessing. You can't imagine the mercy ahead of you. You will have the things you need. God will restore your soul. You will keep going and not grow weary. Your words will extinguish anger. You will find happiness as you share. Your reward beyond today is heaven. Isn't that amazing? If you mess up, he will abundantly pardon you. If you are wise, you will win souls. You've got blessings waiting around the corner. 
He'll guide you through the rough spots and help you do the right thing. Your soul will be at ease amid the storm. You're stronger than you think because he will strengthen your heart. Angels have encamped around you. The troubles of this day can't stand up to his power. You will experience supernatural peace. He will be the order that covers your disorder. He will deliver you from wicked, conspiring people around you. His spirit will teach you and fill your gaps. He will bless those who declare his name. He will hold all the pieces of your life together. He will keep you safe under his mighty wings. Nothing needs to offend you today. His spirit in you is bigger than all of that. Carry on through sadness. He will replace your tears with joy. He's going to tame your doubt and fulfill that dream in your heart. He will provide everything. He's your need filler. Have confidence. He will make his words known to you. Surrender your view of things and people. He will give you spiritual eyes. If you seek him, you will find him. With each day, you are growing stronger and stronger. He will pour out his spirit on you. God will put a new song in your mouth, and many will put their trust in him. He's got wisdom ready for you to use right now. You will lay down tonight and have sweet sleep. He loves you to eternity and back. His covenant of love to you will never, ever fail. And the stripes of Jesus bring healing to every part of your life, body, soul, and spirit. We're going to come to the communion table here this morning. And when I think about this table, it is faith coming together in the natural. It is taking all these different senses, our sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, putting these together with faith. Jesus said, whenever you come together, do this in remembrance of me. We're taking something that is only done by faith. In other words, I can only know God by taking a step of faith. I can't do that by seeing him. Boy, wouldn't it be great to see him. I can't do that all the time just by being able to hear him. I got to take a step of faith. And that's where God meets us. And it's at this table where all this comes together. And maybe for you, you've done things in the natural. In other words, you've used your natural senses to try to connect with God. You, you come to church. You've gone through the motions of things. But there's still a disconnect for you because the act of faith is very personal. Your mom, your dad can't do that for you. A church can't do that for you. A pastor can't do that. Only you can do that for you. That's your step. And maybe for whatever reason, you've never taken that step. Well, God's promise is this. 
If we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, believe. You know what believe is? I put my trust in, I put my hope in. I'm gonna attach now my faith to something. If we'll believe that he, that he is, and we just talked about not only is he, is he here, but he is a rewarder of those who seek him, that you will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's where we take an action. We take a step here. And you can do that right now. Where heaven joins earth, where the natural joins the invisible, where all these come together. I always look at this table as a question where Jesus says, I've given you my life. Will you now give me your life? We have this interaction opportunity here this morning. And maybe for you, this whole faith thing has just been, whoo, I just, you know, for you, what you just heard this morning, blah, 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 blah. We were talking a different language here this morning. But let me simplify it again. God loves you. And he has an amazing plan and a purpose for your life. Your life is not a mistake. Your life is not an accident. There's a purpose and a call on your life. And he wants to show you what it is. He wants you to join in this adventure of following him and being able to respond to him. We say yes to that by taking a step and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe. I'm going to put my hands and my life into yours. You can do that right here this morning. We celebrate open communion here at One Chapel, which means this: you don't have to be a member of this church to celebrate communion. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you want to be in the Lord, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, this table is set for you. The Bible describes that the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that amazing? The covenant that Jesus did is not based upon how good you are or how well you, you live life. He knows we're all gonna fail, we're all gonna mess up. But his promise, his covenant with us is that he'll never give up on us. That he, he has and will continue to forgive you. And in doing this, we get to celebrate this amazing connection now that we have with God. How we're going to do this, there's two tables set up in each of these two sections. You're going to exit from your right and circle around and take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice. Then go ahead and sit back down. And we'll start from the front row going all the way to the back row. Let's do this here together.